before 9 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. We're under the microscope this evening and we try and make sense, of course, of uh, all of the panic. Everybody running helter-skelter saying vaccine expirishile or, you know, uh, there's all manner of issues with the efficacy of the vaccine. You know, and you should be getting the vaccine. I mean, there's all manner of things people have been saying. So this evening, we try and make sense of all of it uh, with somebody uh, who uh, is in the know. And uh, we speak about the halting of the distribution of the Oxford uh, AstraZeneca vaccines after a new study found that they provide minimal protection against the 501YV2 variant found in South Africa, uh, or I should say first discovered here, because I'm joined on the line by Professor Musam Shabela, who's the Deputy Vice-Chancellor for Research and Innovation and the Chairperson of the Committee on Health at uh, the Academy of Science of South Africa, and that is uh, Professor Musam Shabela. Professor, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening to you, Manga, and thank you for the invitation and greetings to your listeners. Thank you so much. Prof, have, have we maybe oversimplified what is, in essence, a complex issue here? You know, uh, when, when we speak about expiry, when we speak about, you know, efficacy, um, you know, it seems like we're talking about day-to-day -day things um, and, and putting on a lens maybe that I guess might be unfairly critical of AstraZeneca and, uh, of course, the Oxford a vaccine as it's come out yeah i think that uh, as you know that's how we try to make sense of the world and uh, especially of uncertainty and uh, i it, it also doesn't help that our public health communication isn't that great i think that the effort is good there's more transparency in information coming out but then the way we communicate it to the majority of South Africans then makes it difficult for us to digest it. So we try to make mm. sense of it in, in simple terms. So I, yeah. I think it's fair enough to try and, and oversimplify it. We, we have to do that so that the message can be clear. But it's, mm. it, it's definitely not about the expiry date. That is just a, a distraction. Sure. It's a side thing. I think the main thing is the fact that we were really taken by surprise in terms of the reduced efficacy because of the, mm. the variant. Yeah, yeah. And, and let's talk about that. I mean, I had Zola Sapeta from Nehau on earlier on, and uh, mm -hmm. one of the comments he was making was about, you know, how I guess the new variant sort of uh, set the cat among the pigeons, complicating, mm -hmm. you know, some of the, the research efforts that had already been undertaken. Um, yeah. Maybe talk us through that, uh, and I guess, you know, how that has influenced the efficacy of the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine and uh, I guess uh, whether or not that has had an implication on the efficacy of other vaccines because we do know I mean this is not just the only vaccine that there is out there uh, with uh, many other producers uh, I guess uh, swearing by the efficacy of the years. Yeah no and, and I think the way to make sense of it is to look at two two layers of it and the one layer is that you've got a, a vaccine that is designed in the UK and then um, it is tested there as well, geographically. It means that it uses even the type of virus you find there. So when you look at the geography of where the testing happens and the type of virus you're dealing with, those two things complicate things. So right now we're looking at a virus that works well, as it is at, at a vaccine that works well. The current vaccine we have still has 75% uh, efficacy over the kind of virus we or, or types of viruses we dealt with in the first wave back in uh, a, a, in last year. It still has 75% efficacy. So 
on, on the one hand, you're dealing with that, but now you're dealing with a new variant. You've got a new variant in the UK. You've got a new variant here in South Africa that has been identified here. But the way then the vaccine responds to those two different variants is different. And now here we now have the benefit of doing a study here in South Africa to test this vaccine. And then it shows us that if we were only looking at the data that was coming from the UK, we would have thought that this actually works here, but we would not have known. But now we know because we were able to do the study here. So the geography matters and the, and the type of virus you're dealing with matters. And certainly, as we know, this new variant became really more prominent around November and December. And by that time in December, we were already pressuring government to buy vaccines and they bought what was mm. available. And sure, now we sure. find out after the second wave that actually it is a problem in terms of the, the new variant that was dominant mm. in the second wave. Is the answer, Prof, to halt distribution? So so you say, look, fine, let's go and procure this thing. We get it. We then realize, actually, it might not be as effective for our particular sort of dominant variant of this, um, of this uh, you know, uh, pandemic. Mm. Um, you know, do you halt distribution and say, let's wait on another one that we think is probably <laughs> sort of uh, 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 more more effective um what do you make of that because i mean certainly what zola was saying to me earlier was that you know no vaccine of any kind is going to go to their members um, <laughs> in a particular period uh, you know until the j and j one comes <laughs> okay so i mean I, I have to give it to, to to south africans we've got very high standards we want the best only the best so i i will of course, I would accept, of course. This, I would accept of course. this point <laughs> But but here, here here's the thing, right? So I, I on the one hand, I don't think that um, you know we need to be too harsh on government and the vaccine um, ministerial advisory committee for the decisions that they've made to get this vaccine. We put pressure mm. on them to get the vaccine. They did, and we were saying that they should have done it even earlier. And one of the reasons they gave at the time was actually. We wanted to first see which one works, and we didn't want to even hear it. And now here is the situation where they went ahead and did it, and we've got a problem that we don't, it doesn't quite work as we would like. So we've got to live with the decision that we have made. Now, the challenge here is that mm. we've got a spanner in the works, and these things will happen. You know, when you monitor your, what's going on in your country, when you do your research, for example, we would have had the variant without ever knowing if we didn't have genomics research happening. If we mm, didn't have this mm. study done here in South Africa, we would not have known. We would have carried on with these vaccines. So there is benefit to knowing. Let's not demonize the benefit of knowing. This is important. And so but, but I prof, understand prof, that when you communicate this to the public, it mm, creates panic. Sure. But, but the benefit is, is definitely obvious. Sure, sure. But Prof... I like the point you're making is that there's benefit in knowing, right? And it yeah. seems that a lot of the knowing is happening in an uneven way. So yes, now that we know that, you know, this uneven efficacy is as a result of a specific genome of this mm -hmm. virus that we have here in South mm -hmm. Africa, mm -hmm. surely that should have shifted, I guess, the marketplace of these vaccines. One gets a sense that, you know, there's one static marketplace, Really, I guess, you know, price setters who come and say, look, this is how much this thing is going to cost. 
take it or leave it, basically. Like like many people, I guess, who are selling other things, you know, during the hard down, uh, you know, the, the hard lockdown. Um, and, and one gets a sense that at that level, there isn't this sort of sense of differentiated product that is able mm. to say, look, based on, on this, this is what we have, and this is yeah. suitable for your conditions, not just in efficacy, but even storage yeah. as well. Yeah, no, I see, I see your point. And, and, and I think that um, when we initially looked, I mean, I would have also vouched for the AstraZeneca vaccine. In fact, I did, because it was offering so much more than the other vaccines for us in South Africa. I mean, price was good. Storage was good. Uh, the mechanism of the way it works, we were comfortable with it. It's something familiar. Like, there were just so many things that were comforting about it. Um, and, and also, I mean, I, I understand that when we were then looking, we were not really thinking that we would have the option of having too many vaccines because other countries had already scooped them up. I mean, Pfizer and Moderna, they were not promising us anything. So we went for what is accessible and available. However, here we are now. What you are referring to is happening right this moment. Things are shifting. And I, I'll tell you two things. One is that it's shifting because we are now having a mix of vaccines that we can then say, what is the best combination for us? We didn't have that option two months ago. Now we do. And even uh, a few months from now, when Sputnik and, uh, and Sinopharm also become available, the one from Russia and the other one from China, when they become available, we'll have more options. When Pfizer comes, we'll have more options. Moderna might come through, we don't know but we will have more options. Then we start to actually have a variety in front of us. We need to see that. The second thing I want to say is that when this thing erupted yesterday, it was interesting because countries that have ordered the AstraZeneca vaccine, like Australia and Switzerland and other places, they are actually now wondering, should they actually go ahead with the mm. AstraZeneca vaccine? You know, it, it was a leading vaccine for a while, but now, actually, the others are catching up. Johnson & Johnson has caught up, clearly. And so they, were now, they are now looking at South Africa. South Africa has got the most challenging variant. What is South Africa going to do? And whatever decision South Africa makes is likely to influence what happens in other countries, mm. including mm. Australia mm. and others. Yo, so, so the world's eyes basically are on us. Absolutely. Um, no doubt. And, and, and that happens also at a time, Prof, where there's a looming possibility of a third wave. Um, yes. And I'm quite interested. I mean, you know, worst case scenario, you have, you know, this particular variant of uh, the virus morphing or mutating, I should rather say, into a different variant in its entirety that I guess influences the efficacy of all of the vaccines in the marketplace who are modeled, one would assume, on a certain kind of genome, right? Um, yeah, so so yeah. if... Yeah, so if you have a situation now where this thing mutates into different sort of variants, what then becomes, I guess, the efficacy of the entire exercise of vaccinating people? Yeah, but the relationship is not linear, right? So part mm. of the problem that we have encountered, we created it, if you think about it. Uh, you know, virus, if you give them the space to replicate and grow and multiply, they mm. will naturally mutate, right? And they will mutate because many of them will have errors in their own formation and they will start... I mean, it's not like they are organized and intentional. They're just like sure. trying to survive. So we created a situation where we wanted to accept a certain level of virus 
replication and growth in society in order to accommodate the economy, which was reasonable. It made sense at the time. Um, but by so doing, what we've done is we gave the virus the space to actually mutate. And so we've seen this in many places where mutations happened, like the UK, a lot of places where you, the virus was allowed to grow, you start to see a lot of mutations. Mm, and mm. in other places like New Zealand, they talk about, you know what, suppress, eliminate, we want zero cases. And for us, that was not really our strategy. So I think that if we are going to get vaccines and to benefit from vaccines, we want to make sure that we don't allow the virus to replicate. Let's do that. Because then the vaccines we have will work and protect us from the strains that we have. In the future, if we've got other strains that come from other places, we will have boosters that will help. But right now, it's really important that we don't give the virus the space to grow. We need to keep it suppressed. Mm-hmm. I, I guess the, there's, there's the other dimension, Prof. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I would say it's a political economy issue as well, right? Because, sure, sure. you know, the, the nature of this type of work and how specialized it is, um, in some instances means that many of the people who are involved in the vaccination trials also happen to be, in some cases, the people who, you know, advise at the highest, you know, table uh, when it comes to where <laughs> some of these decisions are made. No, I mean, I, I guess it's the same It's the same in the profession I work in. Um, mm. I mean, I must say that. I must be open yeah. and say that as somebody who works as an advisor in government, I must put that out there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when, when does that line, so when do we draw that line to say, you know, you are now giving advice informed by your own sort of uh, scientific work and, uh, you know, whatever it is that you've accumulated as knowledge in that space, vis-a-vis um, a political economy interest in making sure that whatever process or trial you've been part of um, is as commercially viable and I guess gets to a mass scale of administration across the world as possible. You know, I, I, I really don't know how to explain or emphasize how important this point is. Because, you know, in South Africa, we are dealing with a lot of mistrust. I mean, a lot of the fights that we have had during this whole pandemic are driven a lot by the fact that we just don't trust each other, we don't trust science, we don't trust scientists, we don't trust government, we don't trust politicians. We, there's a serious, we don't trust the healthcare system. There's a problem of mistrust. And now, if you add this kind of layers where there are fuzzy lines and, you know, you start to feel like people are driving other agendas other than, you know, the one of putting the interests of South Africans first, it, it, makes it, for, it makes it really difficult for us to have the necessary impact in controlling this pandemic. This is really important. We have to be really intentional in making sure that we manage this problem of conflict of interest. We don't do well. And be it around PPE, be it around other things, we, 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 we kind of create very loose boundaries. And because we do that, when something goes wrong, it just discredits the hard work that people have put in to try and make things work. So yeah, I, the, yeah. the point you're raising, I really hope that we can talk more and more and more about it. It's difficult when you've got senior scientists, top scientists, scientists in the country who are also involved in the very vaccines that they're trying mm. to advocate. But, but one difficult. would think, Prof, I mean, one would think that this is not a, new, a novel challenge, if I can put it that way, right? 
um, yeah. across no, all different areas of inquiry and knowledge. It's not a novel challenge. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, maybe I think th this is the challenge that we must put to many in the academy and uh, many of our institutions of higher learning to say, you know, how do we resolve this in a way that at least lends as much credibility to the process exactly. without, you know, unnecessary expectations of objectivity? No, I, I, absolutely. I mean, part of the reason why we are not able to communicate the real issues is that you know, people have to question every little thing to just make sure that there's no stone that's left unturned. It, it's this issue of credibility. If we could resolve this, you know, we could have improved, really improved the lives of South Africans in many respects. And I feel mm. like it undermines a lot of the work that we're trying to put in place. So please, absolutely, let's take it forward. Prof. Thank you very much for your time and uh, uh, yeah, for taking time out to speak to us. A real pleasure catching up with you. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. That there was uh, uh, yeah, the uh, Deputy Vice-Chancellor for Research and Innovation at uh, the University of KwaZulu-Natal and also Chairperson of the Committee on Health at the Academy of Science of South Africa. Difficult questions. Difficult questions indeed. But I think, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, while, yes, you know, there's questions of expiry, there's questions of the efficacy. These things are, are, are in no way simple. Uh, and uh, the trade-off's in no way easy. And I think that then, of course, is the function and task of policy. But the world, strong as condos are made to see what decision we make on the score, because it's certainly going to affect the vaccination of people, not just here, but elsewhere across the world. A little after 9 p.m. is the time. Leave you with a man with the music. Have yourself a great evening. My Africa takes strength. Shop